Yo, 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 yo. What's good, everybody? Welcome once again to the Fantasy Brother Podcast. It's me, the Fantasy Brother, a.k.a. Rory. On this podcast, we talk about fantasy football in the NFL, and we also talk about different things that happen in our life and affect us in our everyday flex, you know, and some things happened this weekend. I got to jump right into it. I'm not even going to waste any time. This weekend, this past weekend, actually, was a big showdown in track and field, all right? Uh, Shakari Richardson, the American sensation, you know, she made the headlines right before Tokyo because she got banned for smoking marijuana, you know. She has some flair and, you know, she definitely has some promise, but she made headlines again this past week throwing shade and talking how she's going to destroy the Jamaicans. Well, she didn't really say that, but she was kind of suggesting that. But the race happened this weekend and she finished in ninth place. Let's call it that. All right. She finished in ninth place and it's just like <laughs> like Jamaican Twitter or just Jamaican social media they they went in on her for the whole weekend I think they might still be doing it right now even as I'm recording right now so you know the Jamaican um, runners finished first second and third and you know Shakari came in last and Jamaicans everywhere, social media, they let her have it. But to her credit, though, you know, or maybe not her credit, Shakira, even in defeat, was defiant to the end. You know, she was not going down without a fight. And, you know, she's young. She had a tough time and all that stuff. So I'm not going to really knock her too much for finishing last. But... My issue with the whole thing was like her post-game interview. So if you didn't hear her post-game interview, well, she did several, but there was one in particular. If you didn't hear that one, I'll play just a little bit of it, and then we'll um, come back to that part. Wow. <laughs> so you heard a little bit of profanity in the interview. That was on live TV on NBC, by the way, which I heard that NBC got fined by the FCC for profanity. So, I mean, that in itself wasn't cool. I mean, come on, you're you're a you know, professional athlete, you know, a role model. Why are you cursing on national TV? Why are you acting, doing all of that, acting crazy? So I didn't like that. I thought that was very, like, uncool. Because, like I said, you know, you got kids that's watching, you know, looking up to her, and she's acting so wild. You know, if you're going to lose, at least lose with dignity and, and some class. You know, don't talk all that smack, cursing on TV, doing all that. So I didn't like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think she'll be back. She'll bounce back. You know, she's still young. She's only 
20 or 21, something like that. So she has her whole career ahead of her. And like she said, she has the sixth fastest time ever for a woman's 100 meter. She's right. Like that cannot be taken away from her. She ran the sixth fastest time in the history of women's 100 meter. So she has that. But I just think going forward, she can take a look at, you know, Shelly and the class, how she carry herself, the way she conduct herself and learn from that. So, you know, obviously you guys know that I'm Jamaican. So I was happy that, you know, the Jamaican runners came through and won the race. And of course, you know, we poke fun at our American friends and social media. I even texted a few of them. You know, even my wife, I was making fun of her and she wasn't having it. But like I said, it was fun. You know, it's always been a rivalry between Jamaican track and field and American track and field going back to, you know, Marion Jones used to be dominant back in the days when I was growing up. So now it's our time to shine. But just to put a bow on that, I respect, you know, Shakiri. She's a young phenom. She's going to be great. I'm pretty sure one day she'll be champ. But I just think that, you know, her post-game comments and the way she was acting up, that's a little out of, you know, some people say out of pocket. That, that was not cool. She needs to do a better job, you know, try to do a better job being a role model for all the young kids out there. That's That was not cool. So that's my take on that. <laughs> all right. So anyway, we'll jump into the fantasy football portion. I know that's why you guys are here. So let's get into that. On this episode, I'm going to give you the players that I do not like a lot this year. All right. So if you listen to someone um, to a previous episode, I debuted my brother awards where I spoke about the guys who I saw as, you know, these guys are my brother because they're not going to let me down. They're going to really come through for me and help me to win a championship. So if you didn't catch that episode, Go ahead, look up on the uh, podcast platform, whether Apple, Anchor, Spotify, wherever, and check out the Brother Awards. Those are the guys who are really, um, I'm looking forward to drafting. But today, I'm going to give you some guys who I really don't want. All right? I'm not looking forward to these guys at all. So I'll give you three running backs, three receivers, a quarterback and a tight end. And these are the guys that I'm fading, as they say in America. You know, I'm going to fade these guys, all right? So the first guy that I'm fading, all right, not these guys are not my brother at all. <laughs> not even my sister. They're nothing. I don't want these guys. So the first guy that I'm not looking forward to drafting at all, that's Saquon Barkley, all right? Now, Saquon Barkley... He's a former number one overall pick in fantasy. He's a beast. He's a dominant player. But he's coming off two straight years, I mean, two straight seasons of back-to-back season-ending injuries. So now he has that dreaded injury-prone label. All right? Now, obviously, NFL football is a violent game. And at any, any play, any snap, a player could get hurt. Right, so there's always a risk for injury. It's a contact sport, but if you have back-to-back season-ending injuries, unfortunately, we have no choice 
but to give you the dreaded injury prone tag. So that's where we're at. <laughs> that's where we're at with, with Saquon. Great talent. He's a phenom. He's a freak. I mean, we all know, well, maybe not everybody knows, but that guy squats like he squats about a thousand pounds. That's that's unheard of. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can look it up on YouTube, right? And you know, his squads are legendary. He's a beast, but unfortunately, I don't want any part of it. Now, having said that, this one is gonna come with a caveat. And for all you English, you know, heads out there, I'm saying caveat, but I've heard people say caveat. So I'm not sure which one it is, if it's a caveat or a caveat. I don't know. But here's the one caveat or caveat with Saquon. If he falls into the second round, maybe middle of the second round, I will probably do it. The reason why is because at that point, the value would be too much for me to pass upon. All right? So middle second round, you know, I'm getting a guy who could be, he could potentially be a top, mm, I don't know, top five, whatever. He could be a top, top uh, elite running back. But you're drafting him way later than he would go. Because if we, if, if we for sure knew that he was, you know, like pre-injury Saquon, he'd be a top five pick. He may have, he could possibly even be the number one overall pick. But right now he's falling to the back end of the first round, it looks like in drafts. But if he falls to the middle of the second round, I would consider him only because of the pedigree and the insane value. So I don't want Saquon, but like I said, if he falls like really, really low, I would consider it, all right? Now, moving on from Saquon, the next player who I'm fading, who is not my brother, is Jonathan Taylor, all right? Now, a few episodes back, we had, you know, my big homie, Spitz Game, we had him on the show, and he's a Jonathan Taylor guy. He loves Jonathan Taylor. That's fine. <laughs> That's great, but I don't. And here's why. Jonathan Taylor is a part of a, the dreaded RBBC. What does that mean? Running back by committee, right? He's not a lead dog. Now, I'm not going to uh I'm not going to argue the f- you know what we assume to be the fact that he is the most talented running back on the Colts. All right, that's fine. He's he's probably the best running back on the team. That's fine. We're not going to dispute that. But in the NFL, talent is one thing, but you also need opportunity. Will he have opportunity? Sure. Will he have a lot of opportunity? We don't know. All right? And that's because the Colts have two other very talented running backs. Naheem Hines and uh, Marlon Mack, who tore his Achilles in the first uh, in week one last year. He's healthy. He's ready to go. Naeem Hines, he's a beast. <laughs> I mean, especially in PPR. So the Colts really have no great like motivation to just give Jonathan Taylor like a whole bunch of carries. Unless 
Naeem Hines or Marlon Mack gets hurt again, then what I'm saying right now is obviously going to change. But if everybody is healthy, you know, where Jonathan Taylor is going right now, I can't take him that high. If I'm taking a running back that high, he has to be a bell cow running back with little to no competition. And he has a lot of competition. <laughs> so unfortunately, I'm not I'm not messing with Jonathan Taylor. Great running back. I mean, hey, I might even try to, you know, get him in a trade, buy low in a trade or something like that. But right now, in drafts, he's going in the early second round. Maybe some people say they would take him in the first round. And he's a first-round talent. You know, he's that good. But like I said, he has two other very good running backs. And also another factor is that um, some of the guys on the offensive line, I think it was Quentin Nelson. I don't know if he's out for the year, but I know he has a long-term um, injury that's going to have him out for at least a month or two. So that's not good if one of your best offensive linemen is out for a while. So unfortunately for me, Jonathan Taylor is a guy who I want no part of, especially with his high um, draft tag, you know, going first round, second round. I'm not cool with that. All right. So the next running back who I want, I really don't want. That's CEH, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now, he's slated to be, you know, I guess the top guy for the Chiefs. I've seen a lot of, you know, experts, a lot of fantasy analysts saying, oh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be great. Break your year coming, all of that stuff. That's fine, but I'm not in on that. I don't want that because this has more to do with like a gut feeling, I think, for me. More than like, I guess the situation, maybe. I just, I'm not feeling this dude. I don't know why, I'm just not feeling it. So another thing too is that the, the chief signed Jarek McKinnon, who at one point was a top five pass catching running back in the NFL. As a matter of fact, if healthy, he could still be a top five um, pass catching running back. All right, so they signed Jared McKinnon, who is definitely going to be playing a lot, especially in passing downs with his pass-catching prowess. And, of course, Daryl Williams is still there. He's, you know, Mahomes' go-to guy in third down as far as running backs because he, he does really well at blitz, blitz pickup. And I've seen many games where uh, on third down, Daryl Williams, man, he's that outlet for Mahomes. So he's not going to be just getting benched just because, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And Darwin Thompson, who was a preseason favorite last year, he was a big hype guy last year, so he's still there. All right, so all of those factors combined, you know, makes me feel a little bit, eh, a little kind of iffy on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I know he's a... You know, he's a favorite right now of a lot of people. But I'm just saying, for me, I'm not in. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not in. I just don't see Andy Reid giving him the keys to the city or to the Porsche or whatever you want to call it. 
I don't see him being that bell cow, you know, every three down back. It's not happening because Darrell Williams has his role as the goal line back, if you want to call it, the short yard, the short yardage back. And now Jared McKinnon is going to come in as the pass catching back. So that would leave Clyde Edwards Hilaire to be the early downs back, right? First down, second down. Okay, <laughs> that's fine, but I'm not going to be paying a high draft capital for early downs back. You can get those guys anywhere. So I know the you know the shiny toy, the Chiefs offense, everybody want a piece of that. And that's fine. That's cool. Sure. Why not get a piece of the Chiefs offense? But I'm saying where Clyde Edwards Heller is being drafted right now, I'm not cool with that. I'd rather get a cheaper piece, a later piece. I'll even take I'll even draft Jared McKinnon later on, way back, eight, nine, ten run, wherever he's going, and be cool with that. Right? That's just how I see Clyde Edwards Hilaire this year. He's on my do not draft list. All right. So those are my three running backs that I'm not really messing with this year. Now let me give you my three receivers that I'm not messing with at all. The first guy is kind of a U-turn for me. Because this guy, I previously, you know, hyped him up as a guy that I was looking forward to draft. And that's Michael Thomas. All right. So <laughs> Michael Thomas recently had surgery, like just, I don't know, maybe like two weeks ago, which is very strange because you had the whole off season to do surgery, but he's just now doing surgery. He's on the pup list. So that means he's not eligible to return until week eight or week nine. And I believe there is rumor that he wants to be traded. All right. So something is not right with Michael Thomas and the Saints. It seemed to be like a broken marriage. <laughs> he wants a divorce, <laughs> right? So he's not happy. I don't know if it's an issue with the coach or the, the team, the training staff, playing time, contract. I don't know the deep details of why he's unhappy, but I do know he's unhappy. And not only is he unhappy, he's unhappy and hurt. So by the time he comes back in week 9 or week 10, he could still be unhappy and he's going to have to work off the rust and get in sync with whatever quarterback is there because obviously Drew Brees retired. So he's going to have to work his way in with either um, Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. And by that time, <laughs> we're looking at week 13, week 14. So you're going to have, you're not going to have Michael Thomas for, for a good part of the season. And, He's going like in the middle of rounds, but still, I don't care. He's going to be a free agent for me. He's somebody you can pick up maybe like a month into the season, stash him and hope, you know, it turns out good. I mean, it's unfortunate because just two, three years ago, Michael Thomas, I believe, led the league in receptions. And I believe he set a record for receptions. You know, can't guard Mike. <laughs> That's his name on Twitter. Can't guard Mike. He's a top, top player. But things have gone south, and we need to acknowledge that. So I'm not drafting him. I don't want any of that smoke. I don't want none of that smoke. I'm cool. Michael Thomas, I still respect him as a great player, but hey, this is fantasy football, and it's all about points. What have you done for me lately? And 
the way it looks, he's not going to be doing anything for me lately more than just rehabbing. And I'm not a medic, so I'm I'm good on that. All right. The next guy, this is one of my personal favorite players. So it's actually a little bit painful for me to have him as a do not draft. And that's OBJ. Man, we've all seen, well, maybe not all of us, because some of us might be new to NFL football, but the catch, right? In, when he was a giant, he made a spectacular catch that captured the imagination of America and, you know, just football fans in general. OBJ is an NFL icon, like it or not. He's an icon. He's one of the faces of the NFL, and, you know, he's a very popular guy. So last year, he got hurt, and, you know, he didn't play for a while, but now he's healthy. From what I heard about training camp, he's ahead of schedule, and he's he's fine. But the problem I have with OBJ is the offense that he's in. All right. The the Cleveland Browns have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And they also have maybe the best running back tandem in the NFL. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. All right. So it, it's not hard to figure out, right? If you have arguably the best offensive line and arguably the best running back tandem in the NFL, and also arguably one of the best defenses defenses in the NFL. What are you going to be doing a lot? You're going to be running because that's what makes sense. I mean, even last year when OBJ was healthy, he himself said it. Like, we got to run the ball. You know, we want to run the ball more. You know, it's not about me. I'm a team guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's great. But for fantasy... Like, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, like, that's cool. You're like, yeah, run the ball, you know, play good defense, you know, chew the clock and all that stuff. Yeah, that's great. But if you're not a Cleveland Browns fan, this is just for fantasy. We don't want to hear that. We want to hear 15 targets a game, 12 targets a game, you know, seven catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. We want the big money. But in this offense, I don't think that's going to be happening a whole lot. Now, physically, the player is capable of doing those things. If he was on another team that was a a more pass-friendly team, OBJ can still be that guy. He still has it. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it's just that this team, they're not about that passing life. They're about running the ball, controlling the clock, playing defense. And, you know, they're a Super Bowl contender to me. You know what I mean? They could make the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously they're not gonna beat the Bucks because the Bucks are just like great, <laughs> right? But they're a solid team, and OBJ is there to me as more of a decoy, if anything, or maybe like a you know go-to guy in a obvious passing situation. He can still get open one-on-one and all that. But if you're looking at OBJ to return, you know. 1,200 yards like he has in the past or even 1,000 yards. I don't think so. So OBJ for me is a do not draft because there's, you know, tons of receivers, you know, great receivers that I would rather have, you know, some of the um, Cincinnati receivers, um, Bucks receivers, Dallas receivers. There's a bunch of receivers that are going to be getting a ton of targets. And while OBJ is a big name, he's a, like I said, he's an icon, I need a receiver that's going to be getting more targets. Just a little bit more action. So I'm going to be cool on OBJ this year. All right. So the 
third guy, the third receiver that I'm going to be fading this year is Kenny Galladay. All right. Now, Kenny Galladay was a receiver for the Detroit Lions. But this offseason, he signed a, a contract with um, the, the New York Giants. Big contract. Uh, what was it like four year? Uh, what was it? Four years, $70 million, right? $40 million guaranteed. Big contract. Big signing. I mean, that's great for him <laughs> and his family. That's great. Congratulations. But I don't know. New York offense, ever since OBJ left and you know Eli retired, it just hasn't been as prolific. All right. They have this, you know, young quarterback. I think it's his third year now, Daniel Jones or Danny Dimes. He has not delivered. I mean, last year he he just looked so shaky to me. You know, he doesn't have a lot of confidence. His deep ball, I don't know. Danny Dimes, the the jury is still out on him. So it's nice that they got a nice oh uh stud receiver in Kenny Galladay, but is it the right situation for for you know for that kind of um player? And and bear in mind also the Giants do have some other solid pass catchers. All right. Sterling Shepard is a good receiver. They drafted a receiver in the first round. Um Kaderis Tony, right? They drafted a receiver in the first round. And they also have another former first rounder tight end, Evan Ingram. And of course, Saquon, if he's healthy, you know what I mean? So there is a bunch of guys that, you know, are should, I should I, I should say, should be getting a fair amount of targets. And then you add in the running game with Saquon. And then of course the uncertainty with Daniel Jones. All those factors. And then, of course, it's a new team, new offense, you know, new city, New York, the pressure, all that stuff makes me <laughs> makes me want to fade Kenny Galladay. All right. He's been drafted like a wide receiver one, but I don't know. I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. I mean, like I said, fantasy football and real NFL football sometimes can be night and day. All right. So maybe in real life, a player is like great or essential to a team. But in fantasy football, maybe not so much. Because that's because we only care about like your individual production. You know, kind of like Julio Jones, for example. When Julio Jones was in Atlanta, he produced, you know, statistically, but he also produced in many games without statistics. Meaning he would draw coverage away from other other players and open up passing lanes and for other guys. So his value was also intangible in that way. And I'm pretty sure Kenny Galladay will do that for other players on the Giants offense. His presence will open up other opportunities for Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and Tony and all those guys. That's great. But in fantasy football, that doesn't help me. <laughs> so, once again, if you're a Giants fan, congratulations. But this is fantasy football. It's all about points and money. If he's not going to give me the money, I'm I'm out. So, Kenny Galladay, for me, is a no-go. All right? So, I'm going to just give 
one, actually not one, I'll give a pair of Titans that I'm not drafting. And this is kind of a cheat because I was planning to do just one tight end, but I'm going to do two. All right. And these two are, they actually play on the same team. All right. And it's Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Both of them play for the New England Patriots and both of them were signed in the offseason. All right. The reason why I have both of them is because they're similar guys in terms of their both uh, pass catching tight end. All right. So I believe that they're going to take away from each other and kind of, you know, cancel out each other a little bit unless one of them emerges as the clear, you know, number one guy. Obviously, this is preseason, so we don't know that. So I'm going to just go with what they have done in the past. Both are great players. Hunter Henry is a solid player. So is John O. Smith. But if you have two guys that are of similar talent level, like which one are you going to go to? I mean, back in the days, you know, maybe 10 years ago, the Patriots had two really good tight ends. If you know, if you guys are watching NFL that long, but Aaron Hernandez, rest in peace, and um, Gronkowski, those guys were dominant, both of them, <laughs> right? I think back in the days, like Gronk was a first round or second round pick, and Hernandez was going uh, middle round, fourth or fifth, and they both had good years. But obviously, back then, Tom Brady was a quarterback, and Tom Brady is now in Tampa Bay. So I can't really make the same comparison and say that they're both going to be great. I just believe that one is going to hurt the other one, right? And right now, we don't know who's going to hurt who. All right. So let's get to the quarterback that I'm fading. That quarterback is Lamar Jackson. All right. Now, Lamar Jackson is a favorite of many, many, many people. That's fine. But I'm going to tell you why he's definitely not my favorite. All right. Now, last year, he was second to last in the league in passing attempts. All right. So he's not you know, exactly the most prolific passer. Now, they did, uh, the team went ahead and they signed Sammy Watkins and they drafted the receiver in the first round. They brought in some help for him. And if I'm not mistaken, they also, um, well, they did trade <laughs> an offensive lineman, so that's, that didn't help, but I know they brought in somebody else as well. But Lamar Jackson, to me, is not trustworthy. He's just not. And the other problem with him his ADP is so high right now. I believe he's like the, the fourth or third quarterback being taken right now, like in drafts on um, Yahoo. So basically, if you want Lamar Jackson, you're going to have to take him ahead of uh, Tom Brady, Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, um, Justin Herbert. And all those guys are just straight monsters. Like all those guys that I just call are all 5,000-yard threats and 40 touchdown threats. And they are proven commodities, former MVPs, former fantasy MVPs. <laughs> you know what I mean? So 
Give me Dak over Lamar. Give me Russell Wilson. Give me all of those guys over Lamar Jackson. I'm I'm just not a fan. And of course, rushing yards at a quarterback is a cheat code, right? So that's that's he has that going for him. All right. But when you're a running quarterback, you also expose yourself to a higher risk of injury. You know, case in point would be RG3 or Vic back in the day in his day. It's great you made the highlight reels, but if a linebacker or safety catches you at the right time, the right way, look, they're trying to get you out of that game. So they're gonna they're coming in hot. It, well, you know what? I also saw an article where he did say he's gonna be playing smarter and trying to like go down and slide and do all that stuff. But hey, maybe it's second nature for him to play the way he's been playing. So I'm not going to trust that he's going to just magically start sliding and all that stuff. And the other thing that's going against Lamar Jackson in my book is that he's an anti-vaxxer. Are we saying Jamaica anti-vaxxer? He's not about that vaccine life. I believe he's already had COVID twice in the offseason so far. And he's still not going to get a vaccine. So it's fair to assume he could possibly catch COVID again. And who knows? All right. But this season, there are going to be many players that's going to be testing positive for COVID. Vaccinated or and even unvaccinated players. Both, you know, like we know that getting the vaccine doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. We, we get that part. But the NFL has put in rules that favor players who have gotten a vaccine and players who have not. So since he hasn't, NFL is not going to be doing him any favors. All right. So if he's going that high where I have to choose him over Dak and Russ, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. Somebody else is going to have to drive Lamar Jackson, but it will not be me. All right? So, yeah, that's that. Those are the guys that I'm fading this year. I do not want. I'm not saying I won't take them ever, but it has to be some kind of special circumstances where I either trade for them in a buy-low trade or they fall way below where they're going right now, and I would consider them based on a value-based draft. Otherwise, at their current ADP, I want no portion. I want no part of these guys. So just, you know, buyer beware, all right? Those are the guys that I'm staying away from, all right? So until the next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. It's the Fantasy Brother 1.